Bob Cusack with The Hill, back with Mark Penn for this month's polling. As we always do, Mark, what's the one word that sums up your polling data? Oh, I think the word that comes out this month is simple, Trump. And I think it's just because contrary to expectations, after a, uh, this indictment, it seems to have brought not only his fundraising, but his poll numbers up rather than down, and especially among the, the GOP. So maybe that's what Alan Bragg intended all along. I don't know. But that is what's happening, at least today. Well, yeah, and, and your polling uh, really was the first uh, to see DeSantis's dip. Uh, he could certainly come back. It's so early. He hasn't even announced he's running, though uh, I, I really doubt that he's not going to run. Uh, he's, he's got a super PAC and is making all the, the steps to move. But he's he's had some missteps, and Trump, as you say, uh, has really pushed him back in the polls. Is that just because... You know, Trump is a very good campaigner. Do you think that DeSantis uh, has has not really run a, a good campaign, even though it's not officially a campaign yet? Well, look, I think DeSantis is in a, uh, a spring slump. Uh, every presidential campaign has a moment of crisis, even the winning ones. They never just go successfully ahead. And so I suspect that uh, there's a little bit of an air of crisis in the DeSantis campaign at the moment. I think they they thought, oh, this is great. We're coming off a big role in the election. We're consolidating our points in the Republican Party. We're becoming the alternative. <clears throat> We've got this. You, people don't know us yet. They're going to learn about us. Then I think, frankly, they took he took a turn into more cultural conservatism and abortion and and uh, the things that he thought would get Trump voters. But meanwhile, Trump voters really want uh, people who, you know, I think Trump voters are a little bit more, let's shake up the system. And, and I think DeSantis kind of lost his edge as a shake up the system by becoming a little bit more of a cultural conservative instead. And hey, I think people decided if I want cultural conservatism, I don't need to switch to DeSantis. If anything, DeSantis should run on character and competence. He should display a contrast with Trump on character, and he should display a contrast with Biden on competence. And, and that, to me, would be a, a non-ideological formula for, for gathering steam and support. And, and do you think that um, as far as DeSantis, I mean, he, you know, we talk about abortion, which really helped Democrats in the midterm election. And he just signed a six-week uh, abortion bill. How's that going to play? Well, we we polled on that, and it, it polls badly with Democrats. It polls okay with Republicans. Republicans were mildly supportive, but 48% said no difference. So if I were him, I would not have taken a move that is okay with Republicans but but is really negative with the swing voters and the suburban voters and the people you really need to attract in a presidential campaign. <clears throat> so I think that was definitely a, you know a, a, a troublesome mistake. I mean, look, it's 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 relevant in the fight against Trump, but it's very relevant in terms of him being the alternative who can really win. And part of, I think, that, that notion of whether or not he can win has to be based on him being able to take more moderate voters 
than Trump. Where where does uh, President Biden land in in your recent polling? He's been very consistent uh, uh, this year and really dating back to, to last year. But, you know, he's nowhere near 50. Well, <clears throat> trip to Ireland or not, his ratings didn't move. People care about the economy. He's got a 39% rating on the economy, a 43% overall job approval. Uh, Democrats like him, but they don't really want him to run. They're giving him rather tepid numbers, you know, below 40% in terms of the the candidate they would pick to be their Democratic nominee. Uh, and, And so for him, it's a kind of a difficult spot. He doesn't want to be a lame duck president. He wants to run. But these are very, very weak numbers in terms of somebody winning. And Trump consistently in our poll wins the head-to-head horse races. Uh, and again, if Trump were to win a national popular vote, that, that of course, would be a huge electoral win because, because in the Electoral College so far with Democrats with so much uh, support in California and New York, it's been possible for the, the uh, candidates to win Democrats to win the popular vote and lose the electoral vote. If, if Trump were to win the popular vote, he would he would be a kind of that election would be decided by by eight oh one p.m. So right. <clears throat> so I, you know now do I think that's likely? You know it is what it is right now. I can only report what we're what we're showing at this snapshot in time. What do you think about the potential? Uh, you know, even though Biden and Trump your polling has shown have, have solidified their positions in the party. Uh, we still have a lot of people out there who do not want to see a rematch of 2020 in 2024. Uh, do you think there's a real appetite and can it be done that, you know, a third party could, could actually be a viable contender? Well, I mean, in fair disclosure, my wife runs no labels, which is, which is getting the ballot. Although there's been a lot of missed, you know, uh, understanding about that but but <clears throat> certainly she's out there trying to get the get a ballot and uh, believes that's uh, the case and our polling shows uh, it is the case that unprecedented numbers here reject these choices and and so either the parties are going to change the choices or if the parties keep the choices there will be a, a very significant opening a bigger opening than I've ever seen in in 40 plus years of polling uh, for someone else to uh, come in, particularly uh, moderate and and not be a spoiler at all, but but be somebody that actually could win. Uh, because the public really is saying, look, the, the public in the middle really says, I want another choice. And uh, and you only need in a three way race, 34 percent. You don't you don't need 50 percent. Uh-huh. So uh, <clears throat> and Russ, Russ Perot, who dropped out and had Admiral Stockdale, got 21%. Yeah. So I think a lot could happen here. You know, it doesn't seem like a very stable situation to me here that the the parties are just going to nominate. We're just going to replay the the same old candidates and we're just going to replay the election that that people didn't want to replay and at a time when they want some, some change and some leadership. I would, you know, I just... It looks like it's happening, but but we still are we, we haven't even gotten to the first debate yet. So right. let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. So is it you know you know we know that Trump has been indicted. Uh, he might be indicted again and again. Uh, who knows? Uh, we, there are still other pending potential charges. 
but this first one, I mean, at least in the short term, this helped Trump, right? Well, but politically, yes, it did. Yeah. It did. There's no question. That's why Trump is word of the mouth of the month because he has parlayed uh, an unprecedented indictment uh, into uh, a. a uh, an ability to consolidate or reconsolidate some within his party, raise money, raise his profile, increase his favorable. And remember, he's out there. When you listen to his interviews now, he is very low-key, very soft-spoken. He is trying to kind of play down, you know, fears of the old Trump. So that's clearly his deliberate strategy. And uh, <clears throat> And for those who want to defeat that strategy... And, and, you know, I, I personally don't think that these are he, he's suitable, you know, after January 6th. But, but that's my personal opinion. But for those who want to defeat that, uh, they better get going because because uh, uh, he, he has been strengthened by this indictment. And I, I don't and, and because most people think that it's just a political uh, indictment. And that's not, you know, it's a it's a <clears throat> it's a bad thing for America when when. When most people start off the bat with that, and look, we went through that impeachment with President Clinton, and most people thought that that impeachment was a politically motivated impeachment and an unfair one, and then, then we've just had a bunch of show trial impeachments since then. So I don't know, are we, are we going down the road of kind of show trial indictments that just become kind of you know political in nature? It's it's a very daunting you know pollution of the justice system. The big game in town, as you know, Mark, uh, legislatively is the debt limit. Uh, I was on a, a panel at a, at a recent conference, and one smart panelist uh, said, you know, there's a really high chance of default. He actually put it at 35%, and it triggered an audible response from from the audience. Uh, others put it close to 10%. But what, what have you found now that Kevin McCarthy has put down a marker? It took a while. Uh, they're trying to pass the bill. Uh, by the end of next week, which is not going to be easy because there's going to be no Democratic votes in the House. It's not going to go anywhere in the Senate. But for but for leverage and certainly GOP unity, they really do need to pass this bill. What, what's your polling data show on the debt limit? Well, the polling shows that people think the debt is too high. They think the spending is too high. And they're they're willing to go along with spending caps as part of raising the debt ceiling. It seems logical to them at this moment. And so from a purely polling point of view, uh, the administration is, you know, not winning this one in the, in the eyes of public opinion. Now, can the Republicans manage to defeat themselves and let it blow up if the Democrats just sit there and blame them for default, as is their plan, can they say, look, we, we passed a reasonable alternative? So that goes to, to your point, which is if McCarthy can't get everybody together for a reasonable alternative, then in fact, they don't, they don't have a position. So if they were going to run out of campaign, they would pass a bill. They would hold a press conference. They would say, now, President Biden, we've passed a bill there that says <clears throat> that we'll avoid a default in exchange for some reasonable spending caps. And I, I don't really know the full content of the bill. And if you and you now, President Biden, are going to be responsible for default if you don't negotiate and go along with this. And they have to press that case. If they don't press that case, the you know, Biden administration will flip the opposite way. And, you know, we've had government shutdowns. We've crossed these kinds of Rubicons before. 
does happen, then the Treasury Secretary figures out some way to pay anything. Anyway, I don't think that the U.S. bonds will go will go unpaid, although we're, we're in such a hyper-partisan atmosphere that anything is possible these days. And, you know, as far as, I mean, House Republicans right now, I mean, they're outnumbered, right? They barely have a majority in the House. They don't have the Senate. They don't have the White House. But at the same time, their message of, hey, Mr. President, just come to the table. Uh, that's not a bad message because, especially if they pass this bill, uh, they can say, okay, now we've passed a bill. You need to come to the table. Uh, and Democrats actually, you know, there's a, it's inside baseball, but as you know, Mark, they could force action on a clean debt ceiling through a discharge petition and force a vote on a, cl a clean debt ceiling. Um, but they haven't even introduced that petition, that so-called discharge petition, which takes a couple of months to, to ripen. So they're basically telling Kevin McCarthy, we're not going to bail you out. And I think that that plays into, you know, the political element because the House, Senate and White House are up for grabs in 2024. And, and there's a lot of political maneuvering right now. Yeah, but let's let's look at one stunning question in the poll. Do you support or oppose a balanced budget? 81% supported a balanced budget. Of all the partisanship that I see in all of the questions, you know, <clears throat> one party sees it sunny, the other party sees it rainy, no matter what the weather conditions really are. The one thing that everybody agreed upon across all parties was the balanced budget. So if the Republicans can get out of all these wedge cultural issues over to the core economic issues, they have a strong hand because people think that government spending is out of control. It needs restraint, uh, that the deficit is real. They could convince even up and coming generations that, hey, if we, we could get rid of your student debt, but you're still going to have the same debt. Right. And you're still going to have to pay for it in taxes because it's got to be paid for unless you think somebody else is going to pay those taxes. Uh -huh. So I, I think that um, we'll see. I mean, look, McCarthy, M McCarthy has uh, uh, actually a reasonable image, right? Better than Schumer, much better than McConnell. Uh, you know, this will be his kind of coming out party in which he will have an opportunity to be at the, at the center stage. And it will be a question of whether or not he could pull off a, a sophisticated message like all the president has to do is sit down and negotiate with us. And, you know, and that's what democracy is all about. Or whether he'll get buried in default, default, extremist, etc. Well, part of the problem is that everyone is so embedded into their own uh, news cycle and message cycle that they lose sight of where the where the voters in the middle really are and what really will determine the next election. Uh, as far as as you know, voters don't have a long memory, but at the same time. Um, when you have something in a headline like abortion as states are constantly, you know, whether it's 15 weeks or six weeks, they're, they're, they're passing different legislation, uh, red states, blue states, obviously, uh, taking much different approaches on this. Do you think abortion and the debt limit fight will be defining issues in 2024? Like on the debt limit fight, let's say they resolve it. It'll be chaotic. Um, but if they kick it past the next election and that remains to be seen, uh, will people remember it? I don't think the debt limit is an issue in and of itself. 
The issues are inflation, state of our economy, and government spending, right? And so the debt limit is just a way of, of putting the brakes on the administration on spending that is seen as the cause of inflation. So it's not a direct issue in and of itself in the way that abortion is a direct issue. And even though abortions are really have been until this year, they were pretty much significantly down overall. They were only about a third of what they were in the 70s, uh, despite much higher population growth. But interestingly, the I think there's no question that that, that suburban women, women generally, right, are, are marshalling around this issue uh, and that the Republicans are going to pay a high price if they push back below 15 weeks. 15 weeks just has <clears throat> a reasonable national consensus and, and allows the Republicans to paint the Democrats as extreme on the issue. And six weeks allows the uh, Democrats to paint the Republicans as, well, how can you you foreclose an abortion when many women don't even know whether or not they're carrying a child at six weeks. And so that just makes common sense to people. Right. Right. Um, you know, going forward with, as far as, you know, Trump's candidacy, you know, Nikki Haley said she wasn't going to run if Trump ran. Well, then she changed her mind. Uh, and Trump was, you know, as we've talked about the biggest loser you're polling has shown it, uh, of 2022, but he has come roaring back. Do you see this field not being as big? Mike Pompeo recently said, I'm not going to run, and Cruz doesn't look like he's going to run, Rubio doesn't going to run, that they're, they're, kind of, they're kind of afraid to take on Trump? Uh, I think they, they, they just think there's, there's only a limited amount of oxygen, uh, and then they have to go out. In order to win, they're going to have to piss off a significant amount of the Republican primary electorate. <laughs> In, right. in a, a significant way that may, if they swing and a miss, may not be good for their career. Um, so, yes, and it does seem a little bit more like, okay, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Ron DeSantis, maybe that's the field, right? Mm. Yeah, well, and maybe, and uh, Hutchinson too, but yeah. a lot of people think he's got, it's, an uphill, it's an uphill battle, without a doubt. Uh, going back to Biden is one of my last questions. Your polling has shown consistently that despite the White House messaging and rhetoric, most people are not optimistic about the economy. Uh, and it, obviously inflation is a top concern. That's been a uh, rates have gone up through the Federal Reserve Chairman, Jay Powell. Are there any indications that things are getting better or people are uh, feeling better about the economy because you know, and writing about your numbers and, and reading, it's just these numbers are not good for, for a re-election campaign. No, uh, I mean, we saw from the the summer of 22, the summer of 22 was extreme panic uh, over the economy. And we saw it come down and there had been a consistent trend of improvement. And that trend stopped this month. This month it went back up couple of points. You're in the 60s on people who say that it's the wrong track. It's a bad economy. And it, they all ticked up a point or two. Maybe they ticked up. Maybe it's exactly the same. But the point is the trend of decline. And and, and we have 52% who say that they're worse off. Their conditionings, the conditions this year are, are worse economically. That's a 
That's a really troublesome number. Of course, you know, if Republican candidates run on social issues instead of the economy, then they're they're not really going to be able to leverage, you know, the economy as an important issue. I mean, it is interesting that Democrats say the economy is good and Republicans say that it's bad. So even something like that has become so politicized, more so than, than I've ever seen it, that every person now does get their own facts. Uh, but nevertheless, 52% saying that they're worse off, that's a tough number. But also independents who, who you know, largely uh, back Biden, they've backed off Biden now, right? Yeah, no, look, <clears throat> Biden's losing to Trump in the, in the head-to-head. Biden's not picking up a strong support among Democrats for a second term. And perhaps the most interesting question, which I don't think anybody else asked, is do you think that if you elect President Biden he'll really be able to serve out a second term or will you wind up with President Harris at some point? I think it was 63%. Most people said that you're going to wind up with President Harris. So okay. Harris is a, is 10 points below Trump. And so when you look at that, the, 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 the best argument against the Biden ticket is you're not really even voting for Biden. It's a very credible argument that you're, you're really voting for President Harris. And based on her numbers, that's not a good thing at the moment. That is not. Uh, I, I, you know, vice presidents usually just have really good ratings. I mean, you just right. have to go to the funerals and kind of be loyal. And, and generally, they'll have in the past good ratings. She really has not played well with, with, the, with the general public as a potential next president. Last question. Anything I miss? Anything you're looking for in the next uh, couple months going into the summer? Now, the only thing we did throw in a couple of questions about ESG and what we learned is that uh, the Wall Street Journal may know what ESG is and the New York Times may know what ESG is, but don't expect that the general public has any idea what people are talking about. <laughs> that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's a very Washington, I guess, acronym and you're pulling proves it. Hmm. Well, we'll be back next month. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thank you.